Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Welcome back to Financial Coaches Network podcast. Emily, what are we talking about today? Today, we're going to talk about is a $1,000 emergency fund enough? And let's actually start off with how, let's go big picture. How do we decide how much is enough in an emergency fund? Okay, so you want to start with a $1,000 question? Either way. Either way. Yeah. $1,000 so start... is, is there is a convenient little hook. We're using our marketing tips, our clickbait yeah. titles. So we'll so get we'll, to that. <laughs> yeah, we'll start. How about we do this? Let's talk about all of what you hear about the typical versions okay. of it. Yeah. And we'll kind good. of check those off. And while I talk, it'll, um, if you need to look up anything, you can. Um, and then you the- You know me too well. Yes. Google on the fly. <laughs> and um, and then we'll talk about how do you figure out what the right number is, right? Okay. All right. So we'll, talk, we'll start with the first question, which was the $1,000 emergency fund. Um, and you know, Dave Ramsey sort of popularized this number. Uh, he doesn't say this is the entirety of the emergency fund. This is the starter emergency fund, right? Mm -hmm. But he definitely popularized it. And you know, there's a value, and I understand why he uses a thousand dollars, and that's because it's you need a starting point, and mm -hmm. any starting point is something. Yep. Um, and so there is a value in that idea. He, however, has chosen a completely arbitrary number. <laughs> the $1,000 is about as strategic as if he just threw a number line up on a wall and threw a dart randomly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, because there's, I it's wouldn't not be surprised if there's a little more to it in that $1,000 probably feels more accessible to people, to many people who don't have any savings than $3,000 or $5,000. And it's more than say $500, but still why a thousand instead of 500 or instead of 2,000, yeah. So, um, no, not really. Okay. Okay. And here's why I know that that's not the case. Because you probably okay. have research and such to back yes. you up. And I'm going, yes. I don't know, that feels right. So the reason why I know, it, so the reason why he chose it is because it's a round number. It's got yeah. zeros, right? That yeah. That is the 100% the reason why he chose it. Um, it. It's not because that number feels accessible, but still like a goal. Okay. Because if that was truly the case, it would be tied to people's income. Yeah, that's fair. Which is when where he we're started talking about this median income in the United States, or at least when he started publishing it in in his book. Right, he talked about it prior to this, so we can go even further back. But when he published it in in his book, 
uh, median income was under $70,000 a year for a household in the United States. Median income now is over $80,000 a year. Yeah, I just looked it up. When did Dave Ramsey's first book come out? I don't know if this is the first one, but it's been 20 years since the Total Money Makeover was published, which was $1,000. A lot's changed in the last 20 years. Yeah. And so if this was really tied to it, it feels accessible, but still a goal, then you would want to move that goal and that accessibility up. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, And I'm not saying that he didn't think that way in the beginning, right? Maybe that's where he got the thousand. But the problem is it's now completely disjointed from any thought process that was originally associated with it, right? Because which proof being it hasn't changed in 20 years. It hasn't changed in 20 years. Yeah. It's just a let's find a round number, right? Um, I think that, that a better thing is to look at what are what is the individual? So if we're talking about a starter, mm-hmm. account, right? I think the better thing to look at is what is the individual's financial situation and tie a goal to something that is tied to that individual's financial situation. So some examples of this might be, you know, you need an emergency fund to pay if you get into a medical emergency. And so uh, your your emergency fund is the size of your annual out-of-pocket from your health insurance. Yeah. Or right? even first step being your deductible, second step being, you can break that down a little um, bit. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, we can break it down even more. Um, we might tie it to a percentage of income, mm-hmm. right? So if we take our income in, oh, let's do it the right way. <laughs> when the book first came out, right? We'll use that as our pegging point because that's when we know for a fact that Dave Ramsey started talking about it, right? So that is 1.5% of annual gross income for the median household, right? Mm -hmm. So if we want to assume that he created it or that 1.5% is correct, I I would argue that's probably not a good threshold, right? Um, I I think 1% is probably a little closer to reality. Uh, for most people as an initial starting point. But if you want to peg it to that, then 1% of annual income. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is one of the problems with, and I've got lots of problems with Dave Ramsey. This particular (laughs) thing is not one of them, right? We'll do a spicy podcast sometime. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. So the, this particular thing is actually, I I think a really good conceptual idea, Mm -hmm. right? It just needs to change over time, but it also needs to change by person. And Dave Ramsey's advice is not good advice. And it's not because it's bad advice. It's because it's in a book. Yeah. And a book means it has to be the same for everyone, regardless of circumstance. Yeah. And a thousand dollar starter emergency fund for a single family manufacturing uh, in Wisconsin, right? Mm-hmm. Or a farm farm a family that owns a small farm in Wisconsin. That is a very, very, very different number than a thousand dollars for a dual income teacher and firefighter in San Francisco. Yeah. Right. Or a dual income both in tech. Oh, in yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. Well, I wanted to avoid like really high income people. Okay. Right? Okay. I wanted yeah, to try right. and make it a kind of 
more cost of living. Yeah, more. Yes. It's more cost of living, and it's also more just people make different incomes, yeah. to different part. The median income is very different in California yeah. versus but yeah. Kansas, right? Right. And so the 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 fact that he had to write it in a book, mm-hmm. right, means that the advice has to be wrong. Yeah, because, because it has to apply to everybody, and if you put a dollar amount of everybody, it's just it's not going to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the, and so when we look at this idea, um, it's really, really important that we don't have a, um, that we don't have a situation where, um, where we try and do that same thing when we're working Mm one-on-one. That's why financial coaches are needed. Right. That's why financial professionals are needed is to take this stuff that is totally not applicable and worthless. They have conceptual ideas that mm-hmm. are correct, but actually trying to apply them in your life doesn't work. Right. Yeah. And your job, our job is to understand what is the underlying concept and then figure out how do we apply that to this individual's circumstances. Yeah, it's the fire hose analogy. There's a fire hose amount of information out there. How do you know what's good? How do you know what's not? You hire a financial coach who can tell you this is good, this is bad. Let's apply and how this do you to modify. Your life. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the, the concept you hire is, somebody who can turn the hose up and down, probably down. And uh, well, I would I, even say my analogy is falling the apart. We'll yeah, the analogy is falling apart. I would say get rid of the hose, right? <laughs> yeah. Of of understanding why a fire hose exists. Yeah, there we go. Right. And then saying, okay, in this situation, a fire hose is not appropriate. What right. would we do understanding we need a water can this? Or, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so looking at like a 1% uh, uh, of, of income or tying it to some other factual thing about their life, mm-hmm. right? That is going to be a much, much better benchmark for that starter emergency fund. So what are your thoughts? Hmm? Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Then I have a question. So there are lots of things that you could tie it to, right? I have my things that I like. We've given a couple in here. Um, And what you tie it to may be different depending on your niche. Yeah. Okay. So my question was going to be in related to what you tie it to. Um, X months of expenses is a really common benchmark. You also mentioned 1%. How do you sort of decide between, you know, X percent of annual income versus X months of expenses. Most people don't base it off months of income because months of income isn't necessarily as relevant, but it kind of is. Yes. Oh, it's, no, it's far more It's far more relevant. It, than I guess it comes down to, like you said earlier, what is the point of your emergency fund? Is it to cover yeah. medical emergencies? Is it because you're worried that your house might, your toilet might leak and you might have to fix a bathroom or something? Is it because right. your car is going to break down? what's sort of the primary driving force of that emergency fund? Yeah. And, you know, this is not Dave Ramsey's fault. He just control C, control V. Uh, from, uh, you <laughs> Let's know, copy and paste in case anybody copy, doesn't yeah. know. Yeah. Command C, command V um, it, for Apple people uh, from the uh, from the CFP world, right? The, from the financial planner world. You need three to six months of mandatory expenses as mm-hmm. your second step emergency fund, right? right? And that, uh, so now I'll get mad at the CFP world and say <laughs> how wrong they are. 
that is just not a very helpful advice. Number one, what is mandatory expenses, right? So that's a very, very confusing statement, right? What is mandatory? (laughs) Yeah, very subjective. Yeah. What is mandatory for me is not what is mandatory for you and your family. Right. right? And any time you try and put boundaries around it, right? Well, no, what it is, is what you need in order to live. Yeah. Right. Anytime you try and put boundaries around it, your boundaries are drawn by your subjective experience, your values, and your um, and you, uh, your own personal proclivities, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, when people say, "Well, you don't need to spend on organic food in order to stay alive," right? You can buy ramen. Yep. Okay. Great. Um, and what about people who are worried about health and for them being healthy Organic food equals healthy. And, yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah. It's, it's all based on values. It's all based on subjective experience. Um, Thinking about clients I have who when we're working on some other options, but eating out and DoorDash and delivery, mm-hmm. they have a store. He's also a carpenter. Like they have a lot going on. Telling them to just cook from scratch every night is just not a realistic option. Right. Yeah. It's just, it just isn't practical. So saying, yeah. well, just cut out delivery food. Like, eh. Right. And then we look at, um, you know, do we, then, then the next step is, okay, what about three to six months? Well, mm-hmm. should it be Why? three or should it be six? Right. It's a big difference. <laughs> it, well, it, it's a huge difference. Again, Median Double. household income in the United States, eighty uh, currently eighty one thousand dollars a year as of the recording of this podcast. Right, that is a thirteen thousand six hundred dollar difference. Yeah. That is, is it a fourteen thousand dollar emergency mm-hmm. fund or is it a twenty eight thousand right. dollar emergency fund? Right. Yeah, that is a huge, huge spread. Mm-hmm. And you've got a massive problem of, again, well, what number should I hit? And what people tend to do is they go right in the middle. Mm -hmm. And that is highly, highly unrealistic. And so let me give you two examples of why it's so incredibly unrealistic. Let's say that we're going to do a six-month emergency fund. It's going to be whatever that number is, right? Or yeah, well, actually, I'll split it between the three and the six. and Let's start off with what is one of the more common reasons people say you need an emergency fund? In case you lose your job. In case you lose your job, right? It's like number one thing off yeah. on off of everyone's list, right? Yep. So if you have two people mm-hmm. that are married, mm-hmm. they have they both have income, right? They're mm-hmm. both working. One is a public school teacher mm-hmm. where layoffs almost never happen. Mm-hmm. And when they do, you get more than nine months notice, mm-hmm. right? So you get basically 15 months notice of the layoff, right? Or you get shuffled to a different school building. Or you get shuffled to a different, yeah, you don't actually get laid off. You just move jobs. Yeah. 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 Uh, but most of the time when there's an actual layoff, they have to warn them months before uh, depending on the state, depends on how many months it is, but months before the school, the school starts. Mm-hmm. So once you've gotten 
four months, let's say, before the, the school semester starts, you know you're not going to get laid off for another 15 months. Yeah. Right? Because you got to go until the end of the next school year, right? So that's so you got that, that's one person's job. And the other person is a nurse, works at three different hospitals. <laughs> and the reason why they work at three different hospitals is because they are so in demand that every hospital and every medical clinic in their area, which is very common in nursing, <laughs> is scrambling to try and recruit them. Yep. Okay. So think about their need for how long, three months is probably too long, right? They, they, chances... they have some pretty solid job security there. Yeah. Yeah. Now compare that with a family where one person is a real estate agent mm-hmm. and the other person works in the construction industry. Yeah. Both of them where you, your real estate isn't going to lose their job, but they might not have very many listings yeah. for a 18 month period. Mm-hmm. The construction person may be, especially residential construction, may be out of work for 12 months at a time because there's just no construction happening, right? Very feast or famine in both regards. In both regards. Oh, yeah. Six-month emergency fund is going to be perfectly fine for them. Right. Because right? they could have zero income for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that's just one aspect of the emergency fund. That's just, you job know, loss. dealing with job loss, Right. And so this idea that three to six months of, of spending is that's going to be right for everyone, that range is going to be right, is just not realistic. Now, I gave some pretty extreme examples yeah. in that scenario, but there are people, lots of people, millions of, of couples that fit into those examples. Mm-hmm. Well, even outside of couples, this is not really- Or individuals. Loss, but one, one of the first- um, clients I worked with, I don't remember if it was working with her for free, which we don't recommend, but um, <laughs> one of like one of the first two or three people that I worked with, single woman, had met her in college, irrelevant. Um, she had, she wanted 24 months emergency fund, which I guarantee almost everybody listening is going to go, holy crap, that seems really extreme. Guess what? I also thought, I was like, okay, why her parents both had health concerns. She wanted the flexibility to be able to take a dramatic period of time off of work, no income, so she could care for her parents. Oh yeah, that makes perfect sense why you might want yeah. more than three to six months because there's the external factors going on of, I need to be able to take a sabbatical and mm-hmm. not have to worry about it. Yeah, Because I don't think anybody would say you shouldn't prioritize taking care of your sick parents. Right, well, a book okay. Would okay. because a book doesn't have an opportunity to actually right. understand <laughs> that, <fair>. right? <laughs> But, you know, as we look at that idea, yeah, I mean, there's everything is tied to the individual, yeah. right? And the you cannot come up with a good, here's a rule of thumb. All rule of thumbs by definition are wrong. They have to be. There's no way around it, right? Yeah. Um, and so you can't come up with a good rule of thumb uh, for this. Um, do you think it's fair to say, it, do you think it's fair to say that, um, slightly personalized rules of thumbs, like three to six months of expenses. Do you think it's fair to say that that's a better rule of thumb than you need a $10,000 emergency fund? Because I would say that that's better. It's moving in the right direction. It's still not personalized, but it's significantly more personalized than a flat dollar amount. Yeah. Flat dollar amounts are generally not going to be workable because they're not tied to, it's the same thing when you hear people 
um, say, um, you know, there's a, you need a million dollars to retire. Yeah. No, no, you absolutely don't. There are people who retire with hundred thousand dollars in their accounts and they have far more money than they could ever need. And there are people who retire with $3 million in their accounts and we're worried about long-term care needs. Right. So, um, you know, any, any dollar, anytime you have a flat dollar amount, it's, it's not going to be workable. Cause it only applies to a thin slice of people Yeah, that you just happen to get lucky and apply it to. Yeah. I mean, it's one size fits all, which is one size fits none. Yeah. Right. Uh, the other, the other part of it that I don't like is the mandatory expenses. Mm-hmm. And this is a really, really, you know, problematic thing. Your emergency fund should not be there to provide subsistence. Yeah. Right. Um, this comes from a academic look at it and not from having worked with actual people. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, when a couple, when one of them loses their job, when an individual loses their job, uh, it is a really emotionally difficult time. Yeah. That is not the right time to cut out all fun. That is not to go the down right. to rice and beans and cut all of your subscriptions. And yeah. Yeah. And get rid of Friday night date night. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so whether Let's you cut out everything that brings you joy, right. When you just went through a traumatic experience, that yeah. sounds like perfect sense. Yeah. That was, sarcastic, so, by the way. you know, that idea of we want to, you know, cut, cut out all fun. Um, and that's one of the first things that people look to, right. Is how do we cut out all of the unnecessary expenses? And what I do with clients is when they go through this, it's how do we keep everything the status quo? Mm-hmm. Right? That's the default is status quo. How do you make life still feel normal? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, because if you don't, then two things happen, right? The first thing is that uh, you cause real, real damage to the person and to the family. And the second thing that happens is you create credit card debt because your yeah. desire not to create credit card debt, you create credit card debt because there is something called revenge spending. <laughs> Just went through this with the pandemic. Right. People couldn't spend on trips and experiences and everything else. And huge, huge increase in spending mm-hmm. out of revenge spending of, well, now that I can do it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Right. And you can scream all you want. You shouldn't do it. It's unrealistic to expect people not to do it. Yeah. Right. When they've just gotten their sixth, um, uh, blah, 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 blah. what do you call it? When you're 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 not moving forward in the job hunt process. Rejection. There rejection. We go. When you've got your sixth rejection email of the week and you haven't heard back from 15 companies, and by 15, I mean probably more like 100, and your kid is sick and your spouse just had a really rough day at work, you're going to order the food. And then you're going to, and yeah. Well, the revenge spending happens even later though. I mean, that's absolutely true. That That is absolutely true. But the revenge oh. spending is you get your job now that I've got money, Aha, I've got everything money goes off the rails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got right? you. Yep. Um, and so the, you know, you don't want to 
create these huge austerity measures yeah. that may seem like a good idea. And in the, sh- they're not, as you kind of pointed out, right? But they seem like a good idea. Uh, but they also set the person up to have a, have a real struggle once the austerity measures are no longer there, because now we open the gates up, but there's so much pressure backed up that it just flies wide open, right? With regards to spending. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so there's this, this we, we need to have a, a thought process of how do we maintain some level of normality in a responsible way? Yeah. Right. And, you know, unfortunately, most of the conversation around this is how do we cut everything to the bone, yeah. right? To try and minimize dipping into savings, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I will tell you right now, one of the hardest things that I have to do is when a client goes through a, in, a drop in income, mm-hmm. right? One of the most difficult things to do with good, responsible clients that have savings is getting them to spend their savings. It's amazing how hard spending savings is for people. Even if it's like, I've had that, not necessarily that extreme, but even if it's like, oh, my car needs new tires. I'm just going to put it on the credit card. No, you literally have savings so that you can pay for tires for your car. Like, no, but I don't want to touch. No, you have savings to use it. It's there to be used. You saved it for a reason. This is that reason. Yeah. Use it. I don't think we talk about that enough. However you get the, what that X is, we have to save up to this amount. Oh, and also we're going to have to keep doing that because we're going to use it because that's why it's there. And then we'll build it back up again. Yeah. We forget that whole, after we hit the goal, the goal is not to keep it there. The goal is to keep it there, use it, get it back up, use it, get it back up. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. I don't like doing it either. I don't like seeing our savings account dip. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. We planned on that, but it's yeah. There's a science to getting people to do it. Oh, I'm sure. A little bit of an art. Yeah. Yeah. What other questions, what other emergency fund? I think that kind of covers it. We kind of talked about strategies around, you know, how to determine what that number is and one size fits all is never a good idea. Um, so it sounds like it really just sort of comes down to what is the point of the money that you are saving? What is sort of the primary goal? And then figure that, oh, one, it probably won't be quick, but one quick thing. Yeah. How do you know when there's too much saved? Yeah. So uh, when you're asking that question, it probably means there's too much saved. In fact, it probably <laughs> means you should have asked that question, uh, you know, a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, so number one, I don't like the word savings. Okay. I, I think it's a very bad word. Is it because it sort of ties into that? We have to keep it there. It's for yeah. savings. Yeah. Yeah. It's because savings is good. And so therefore, if we spend Use the it. savings, it's bad. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. So I don't like it. Um, so the, the, the question comes down to, you know, how do we know um, if it's too much? Uh, it's a very simple answer. What are you saving for? Yeah. So right? what if you have somebody who says, well, we're saving for a car because our cars might you know, crap out in the next couple of years and we want a down payment with that. We're also saving in for home repairs. We're also, what if there's a whole list of, you know, 15 things that they're saving for? Do you save for all of them? Do you go, okay, well, all of these things could happen. And so, yes, we're going to have, you know, $80,000 in savings 
so that you've got down payment for the car and in case you need a new roof and in case this happens and in case this happens and in case this happens and in case you lose your job do you add all of those up or do you go the chances of all of these happening at the same time are slim to none so let's shrink that a little bit yeah i would say that the the chances for all of these happening are whatever the chances are i would not say it's slim to none right uh, the chances of of us not knowing whether all these are going to happen at the same time are slim to none. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very little is truly unknown. Very little is truly unknown, right? Yeah. Uh, people, you know, talk about, oh, we need an emergency fund for uh, if you need new tires on your car, right? That's a, that's a very common example. Mm -hmm. You'll see logs and so on and so forth. No, you do not need an emergency fund if you need new tires on your car. You, it is not an emergency. Yeah. You are well aware that tires don't last forever. What? Yeah. You also know when your tires are going to go out because you know, did you buy the three-year 50,000 mile tires or the six-year 100,000 mile tires? And if you There's don't know, hopefully your mechanic knows and you could talk to them and be like, Hey, when right. do you think we'll need new tires? That's one yeah. thing I really like about ours. We bring the car in for an oil change. They're like, oh, it looks like your new tires probably next time or the time after that. Great. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, you know what the tire, when you buy tires, you know how many miles there are, you know how many miles per year you drive, or you can mm -hmm. figure both of those things out yeah. really easily. Right. Um, and so we know that these tires, the day we buy them, mm -hmm. we know that these tires are likely to need to be replaced in four years, mm -hmm. right? Now, is it going to be exactly to the date for no. exact years? No, but it's also not going to be so far off that you yeah. can't say, um, we're going to um, need to spend this amount of money adjusted for inflation in, uh, around June mm -hmm. of 2027, Yeah, right? We, we can do that. Absolutely. We can do that. And so when we look at like that savings account, you know, a lot of it is uh, when we say we've got 15 or 20 things, okay, get out a calculator, yeah. right? Hit the, hit the plus button a bunch of times, <laughs> right? You know, figure out when those things going back to a earlier podcast, mm -hmm. this is why zero based budgeting does not work. We'll have another conversation. Sorry. <laughs> uh, this is why, um, uh, rollover budgeting. Mm -hmm. This could work in certain situations, but it's not going to work with everything, right? Mm -hmm. This is why cash flow budgeting is so important because, okay, we know that this is this is going to come out of the savings somewhere around June of 2027. Mm -hmm. So when we look at all of the things that are going to come out of the savings around June uh, over the next X number of years, we look at how much we're putting into the savings every month. And we look at all of the goals that we have lined up and all of the expenses and all of the other things. Is that number, you know, if we were to like literally lay out a cash flow mm -hmm. statement of all of that, yeah. if we never go below $2,000, mm -hmm. right? If we never get close to zero, then we've saved too much, that we're saving too much, <laughs> right? Yeah, that makes sense. It's it's literally, you know, what are we going to spend this on? When are we going to spend it? Um, 
And are we are we putting so much in that it's way more than we need to? Yep. Right. And if that's the case, take a vacation. Yay. Yeah. Go to Disneyland with your kids. Right. Um, You know, put a little more into your retirement accounts. Mm -hmm. Right. Do something better with that money, whether it's better for your future or better for your present. Do something better with that money. Yeah. Right. Rather than just sticking it in a savings account because it makes you feel good. That makes sense. All right. See you all next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.